Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days he would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes knows the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land he gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reinbold, and this is the House of Ephraim show today. We do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out to what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity. Again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. And you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call. 618-262-2810 and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Decker. Nowhere in the world do we struggle over finances like we do here in America. Our whole economy found a dollar bill. It amounts to, amounts to money. You, you move into the third world where I've spent much of my life, adult life in, you find out that money is there for basic reasons. It's not there to own a home. It's not there to own a car. It's not there to have insurance. 
It's not there, bless God, to, to even be educated. It is necessities. It's called food. It's called medicine. And through the years, watching the way that, that we move into the principles of God's tithe and offerings in America, and compared to the third world, there, there's no comparison. They don't have money to give, so they don't think of money as being that which they are to give with their tithe or their offering. But they do have substance. They have food, very little of, and I will never forget the times that I would finish ministering and the pastor would come to me through an interpreter and say to me, you must let the people give to you, the prophet. And I would think, oh, you know, I wouldn't think. I would say to the, the interpreter, you tell the pastor that that's great, but, you know, I, I knew that the food was limited, so I, I just didn't want to take the food. The angel of the Lord spoke to me and said, you must take what they're trying to give to you that they might be blessed. And it literally changed my life. It changed the way that I, I never forget. I sat there, and they began to bring. And they would bring turnips. They would bring bananas. They would bring coconuts. They would bring corn. And one little old lady, about 80 years old, brought me three eggs. And when she handed me the three eggs, I said to the interpreter, I said, ask her, if this is the only three eggs she owns. And so the interpreter asked her, and the interpreter said to me that that was all the food that she had was three eggs. That was it. And I sat there, and I began to literally cry like a baby. I couldn't imagine in this world, anywhere that I've ever been in the United States of America, that there would ever come a time when somebody would give to me like I was, be, was being given to then. In America, it just doesn't work that way. In America, bless God, some people understand the word tithe. Some people understand the word offering. But the problem with it is there's an alternative motive behind most of that tithe and most of that offering. And we want to try to get to the base of all this this, uh, this weekend because I think it's important. I hear from a lot of you. I find that people are just a little maybe misinformed in some cases, uh, not informed at all in other cases about the principle of, of tithe. There are a couple areas, and tithing and, and offerings are, are those two areas, that those blessings that are, that are tied to the tithe and offering are automatic. And that's important for us to know. There's not many, there's not many things that bless God that are just automatics. Uh, but when you give of your tithe, when you give of your offering, then bless God, you are you are going to receive automatic blessings because you what you again you fulfill the word of God, and I hope that you understand that you only tithe to where you're being fed. Okay, in other words, if you're here today and you go to another church, well, you're not to tithe to this ministry. And if you feel that you want to give an offering to this ministry, that's fine. And I've had to say to people, and I'm sure it won't set very well with some of you, me repeating what I've said, but if you're not going to tie to this ministry, then when you get yourself in a bind, then don't you bother calling me, okay? You go where you're paying your tithe. If you're paying the tithe to the, to the First Church of the Righteous, then you go beat on that pastor's door, and you bother him. But don't you come bother me, because my place isn't to look over you like that. I watch over the people. If you tithe to this ministry, then I am obligated, okay, by God to watch over you and your family. And I, I can't tell you uh, through the years how many people have just absolutely agitated to no end by, by saying that, but it's the truth. Uh, the fact of it is, if that's where you're putting your money, then that's where you need to put your trust in what they do. I've had people through the years to pull a lot of stuff, and that's usually one of the things they pull. They get to the point where everything goes well until they get sick, until, bless God, the some kind of a crisis shows up, then they come looking for me. That's not fair to me. It's not fair to the people that's within the organization that do tithe to this prophet because I need to be taking care of them. And then somebody, help, help, you know, i got to have all this, and i got to do this, and i got to do that. And through the years, there got to be so many of them, it just got down to the point of just having to say, hey, look, where do you tithe? Well, I tithe over here at the First Church. I said, then that's where you need to go. You need to go because why? 
you are to put your money into the storehouse from which you're being fed. That's how we're going to get to that. Let's go to Genesis 12. Genesis 12. It's God's perfect will that everyone prosper in every area of their lives. Okay? That is God's perfect will for us, that everybody prosper in every area of your life. The problem with the word, again, prosperity, means to us in America money more than it means anything else. Now, is money attached to that? Yes, it is. Again, the problem is is how much how much weight are you putting on this thing of God prospering you? And, I, folks, I get all kinds of things. If people call me. I've had people be so ridiculous as to call me and say, if you will give me the numbers for the lottery here in my state, then I, I feel God would have me to tithe 10% of that money to your ministry. And I'm going, yeah, well, if I was dumb enough, to, if God, if I knew the numbers, okay, if I did and was dumb enough to give them to you, I'd be in a heap of trouble with God, okay? So it, obviously it doesn't work that way. I've had people call me and ask me if I'd go to the racetrack with them and discern what horse that they should bet on and give 10%. Oh, folks, I could write books. It just goes on, and you say, well, that sounds ridiculous. Well, it is ridiculous, all right? 12-1, book of Genesis. Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, and a land that I will shew thee. I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now you understand the word all families, or the words all families of the earth uh, be blessed. Now what's he saying? He said, I am, he said, he said, and thou shall be a blessing. Now, you have to understand something. You can't be a blessing until what? You yourself are blessed, right? Isn't that what it says? He said, I will bless you. Now, look, I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee and keep thee uh, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. So first, before he could become a blessing, he had to do what? He had to be blessed, all right? But you also need to understand that those two things Go hand in hand. Now, in the 13th uh, chapter, right on across there in my, in my Bible, the first two verses here says, And Abram went out of, the, out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. So he was what? He was a rich man. In fact, not only was he rich, he was what? He was very rich. So is it, is it a minus to be a rich person? No. No. That, there's no... There's no penalties to, to being rich if, in fact, you understand what that's all about. But I think probably one of the, the things that, uh, that I was taught early on before I uh, even started in the ministry was that I would never have any more given to me than I was willing to give. And an old, an old prophet uh, taught me uh, that along with a lot of other people, as a matter of fact. But I began to realize something that if I'm not going to willingly give, that I'm not going to be able to willingly receive. And we're going, to get, we're going to get to the Word here in a minute about that. But the keys to, to you having being prosperous is to first understand that prosperity comes in a lot of different packages, all right? Health could prospering, be prosperity to you. Clean air could be prosperity. Uh, bless God, a healthy family could be prosperity. But you see, again, uh, we want instantly. I remember when all that happened to me. I think I had, I don't know, I didn't have very much money. And, and I was sitting in a service, and an evangelist was preaching. And the evangelist said, now I want you to take the last money out of your billfold. If you want to really believe God, now's the time to try God and put the money in the plate. And I will guarantee you that within seven days that God will multiply back a hundredfold. Well, you all have seen the billfolds come out of people's pockets including mine. I don't remember how much money I had. I didn't have very much. I couldn't have had over between 20 and $40. I put it all in there. Boy, I went home, and I just thanked God, and I watched the days go by, and three days went by, nothing. Six days went by, nothing. Seventh day went by, nothing. Another week went by, nothing. So I went back to the church, and I began to ask some of the other brothers. I said, say, did, did you put money? Yeah. I said, well, did you get back your hundredfold? Not only did we not get back a hundredfold, we didn't get anything back. I said, well, what's he? Uh, now, the man gave the word of God. Now, listen to me. The man gave the word of God to us, and we decided that we would take the word of God that was given to us and believe him for it. All right? 
Now, some of you people have been in services. Uh, the Charismatic Movement had a fellow that wrote a book, went around the, maybe the world, and to show you how to prosper with your money. Anybody ever have him come to Lansing? If I mentioned the name, you probably would know the name. And in the end, to start things out, to show that you understood this principle and you were going to apply it, guess who you started giving all your money to first? The preacher. Now, the only person that ended up prospering out of that was the preacher. Why? Because, you see, you can't, you can't sit down and begin to put all this into seven easy steps to become rich. You can't do that. It's all contingent to something here that's called the heart. Because what? Because the intent and the purposes of the heart is what God judges. That's what God looks at. And too many people, bless God, are doing this thing to become what? To become rich. And you see, that comes with, with the program. It's not the becoming rich that's important. It's important as to what you're going to do with your riches. Are you going to hide that under a bushel? Go to James, in the book of James, uh, he was rich because he was faithful, because he was obedient, and that's the reason Abraham, or Abram at this point, was a rich man. It wasn't because he was out after the riches. The book of James, now, you know, one of the things, too, that, well, let's do this first. James 2.23, it says, For any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, is like unto him a man holding his natural face in a glass, or beholding his natural face in a glass. So we can't be just hearers of the word. We have to be doers, or we have to... A lot of the faith teachers taught faith is action, and that's really what it is. It's, it's talks about doing something with it and not just, being, you know, not, not just being somebody that's there to participate with. I don't think at this point in time that probably any of you, if you've been in church or around church very long hasn't gotten yourself somewhere along the line involved in some types of ministries that bless God that is trying to get you to understand that if you will give your money and every time it happens to be to that preacher, then all these things can happen. Now, let's go back to what I said earlier. You believed that because it was a word. You heard it and you believed it to be the word of God, so you decided that, bless God, you were going to apply it, and none of us are going to jump up and shout too much about what took place with it positively, okay? Now, was the word wrong? No, the word wasn't wrong. The application in which was given wasn't right, all right? In other words, it, folks, if, if all we had to do is to give money, you could go borrow enough money to become rich. Think about that. If that's all there was to this, you just go take your credit card, go max it out, say, whoo, boy, 100 times this, I'm, I'm going to be rich. But it doesn't ever work that way. And the reason it doesn't work that way is because that's not the way God has intended for it to work in your life. Money, the Bible teaches, money is the root of all evil. Okay? The love of it is. Now, if money itself isn't evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, think about that. The motive behind your tithe, and that's what we're talking about today, and we're going to talk somewhat about offerings. But the motive behind that tithe is that motive that you're going to give so that, so that you can get, or is that motive, motive that you're going to give so you can be a blessing? And there's a big difference in that, folks. There's an entirely different situation at hand on, on both, both sides of that. If all you're going to do is tithe, and see, when I first got into the Pentecostal movement and then got into the charismatic movement, the whole thing about your money was give it so you could get more. And I got caught up in it because I wanted to believe it. Why? Because I needed money. Bless God, I didn't have the kind of money that I would like to have had. So I'm hearing these people say it, and I'm going, hey, boy, that's for me. All i got to do is give the money, and I'm, going to, and I'm going to get more money. But again, prosperity doesn't always come in dollars and cents, and that you, that you need to remember. Let's go to Galatians 3. Galatians 3, 3, 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So how did it come? It came through faith. Now, I want to back up here for a second for those of you that may, may be new with us. 
and understand what he said here. He had redeemed us from the curse of the law. What was the curse of the law? You couldn't get to heaven through their sacrificing an animal once a year was only to be do what? Was to be the cleansing of your sin for that year. But that didn't get you to heaven. So what Yeshua, what, what the Son of God did, God sent his only begotten Son, that for once and for all he would become, he would become that uh, for all mankind. He would pay the price for the shedding of his blood, and now what the law couldn't do, you could get to heaven, okay? And that's what the curse of the law. It has nothing to do with getting rid of the law. It has nothing to do with that, all right? And uh, if you can take that from uh, back out of this context into the Greek, back into the Hebrew, you, you could see that a lot better. And there's some translation Bibles that you could get that I think would help you do that. Now, remember, one of the things you've got to remember that God doesn't change. You've got to remember he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, all right? Uh, look in Hebrews 13. And I'm getting somewhere here, so hang on here with me. Hebrews 13, 13, 8, and it says, and it says here, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he doesn't change. That's very important to, to know that, that he's the same. Now, if he's the same today as he was then, turn, turn back into the book of Malachi. You have to remember that this is the part I love so much. Now, me and the church kind of goes back and forth over, but they'll get over it. Malachi 3.6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. And thank God that he is the same. All right? He doesn't change. Now, the church tells you that, they're, that, that bless God, that you're not under the law anymore. Right? That's what they tell you. But there's not a preacher in the Christian church of this world that's ever taught on tithes and offerings that didn't go to the law to teach it to you. Malachi, right? The eighth verse of that third chapter, Will man rob God, yet ye have robbed me? But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? And he said, In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, and we'll get into that a little more here in a few minutes, but, you know, that was the thing that when I came back to America... Uh, two and a half years ago, that ministers would come in the meeting and they'd say, "Oh, you're you're bringing the people into bondage. You're not. We're not under the law." And I just turned around and said, "Well, how come you you teach Malachi three? If you don't believe in the law, I said you can't have it both ways. See, that's the reason I keep saying to the church, and I'm right, that the 91st Psalm doesn't belong to Christianity. The 91st Psalm belongs to the law. Now that just absolutely infuriates the church." Because somehow the church believes that they got everything, everything of the Jews, because the Jews didn't receive Yeshua, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. Then the Christian came along, the Gentile came along, and because they received Jesus, they get all these, all these. I'm sorry, folks. Again, they grow up. It's time to study. It's time to come alive with this thing and realize what God was doing. And it worked out just dandy for me because the thing I kept, I said was okay. I said there was Christians, Holy Ghost-filled Christians that died in that big tsunami that we had over in Indonesia. And there was. Many, many, many of them died. Holy Ghost-filled Christians died down when Katrina came through, down in, in Louisiana, down in that area. Now, my question to you is, if the 91st Psalm was that, then why didn't it save them? And, folks, those are fair questions. Those, those aren't questions that, bless God, I'm just drawing out of the air. I'm telling you, as an Orthodox Jew... But what happened that the church made a terrible, terrible mistake. They thought that Jesus Christ came along and that the father retired and the boy took over the business, and that's just not what happened. I'm sorry. That didn't what I say this morning? He said that my covenant will last for a thousand generations. Now, if his covenant was going to last for a thousand generations, what did he do when he sent the son? He was just a continuation of the covenant. He wasn't something, and if you go read it, there is no new covenant talked about except one place in the Bible, and it's talked about, and that new covenant was when God came out of the box, the ark, and he wrote his law, L-A-W-S, laws, upon the hearts and placed them in the minds of the children of Israel. That's the only new covenant that was made. Now, there was a New Testament in the blood. Now, what does that mean, a New Testament blood? The blood 
of this sacrificial lamb, which was the Son of Almighty God, that testament now would get you to heaven and give you eternal life. Folks, again, I don't understand other than the fact that there was a, you know, the Bible talks about there was two blindings. Uh, Ephraim was blinded and Judah was blinded. And Ephraim, by the way, is most of what we call the Gentile church. Uh, they didn't know because why? They've been lost, but God's now going around this world, and he's beginning to pull those ten tribes back together, just like this Bible says he's going to do. And bless God, what's he going to do? He's going to take us back and establish us in the land of Israel. We're going to once again, bless God, go up the holy hill with our brother Judah, and we're going to worship the living God together on that hill, which is the mount. Now, whether or not the church wants to receive that or not, that's too bad. It's the Word of God. In fact, it's so strong, it's so strong that God said that after the exodus of, out of Egypt, he said that there would be another exodus that would come to this earth that would be so great that no longer would they mention the exodus out of Egypt. And you know what exodus that is? The exodus of Ephraim going back to Israel. As I told the rabbis, there's somewhere around 60 million of us. Now, that means that there's a whole lot more of us than there are of them. That's when I told them to quit calling everything a Jew. I said, the Jews don't own Israel. I said, God said they'd be the first ones to come back. Read it. It's in the book. They came back in 1948, established once again the nation. They were to shed their blood for that land until what? Until, until the prodigal son, Ephraim, comes home. Study that for a while. Now, back to the book of James again. Well, I know one thing. God's got these plans. And, and, and you know, every time God gets one of these plans and he starts doing stuff, it makes me nervous. And I'm always saying, well, God, why don't you let somebody else do this? I did the last one. You know what I'm saying? I did the last one, and I've done about all I want to do. And, of course, that don't work either. So you just do what God tells you to do. James 2.23 says this. And the scripture was fulfilled, which said, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Now, what does that all come down to, that he became the friend of God? Well, of course he became the friend of God. What did that all come down to, that, bless God, that, that he believed God? Well, see, that's what the whole key is. You gotta, is it's basic. You just say, well, I believe God. Now, in James... Uh, one uh, seventeen, it says this. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Now, where does our gifts come from? Above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variness, neither shadow of turning. In other words, what he puts brings, bless God, is going to be what he brings. If it's blessings, then bless God, you're blessed with blessings. Now, I don't think there's anybody in this room that doesn't want to be blessed. If you don't, well, then you must have everything you need, and there's nothing else you have need of. Or you may be like Paul in whatever state you're in. Uh, you're just you're going to have the patience and the kindness to receive, and you should be able to come into that place where you can do that. But the key is to, to be about the blessings of God. I don't know anybody that just bless God that doesn't need any blessings. We all need blessings, and like I said, this happens to be one way that I found that you can get into blessings, and bless God, you can receive. And it's automatic if you do it and do it right. Let's go back to the book of uh, Genesis 24. Genesis 24. Well, I can remember those days, though, those, those preachers that come. And, and, you know, when you're hungry, like you're, most of you in this room are hungry, you're vulnerable to, and you never want to forget that. You know, that's the reason I keep saying, don't you take my word for anything you fast, you pray, you study this thing, and you decide what God's telling you to do with it, all right? Because, again, just because I'm saying it, that don't mean anything. Bless God, like I said, there's a lot of preachers can stand and give verse and scripture and all this stuff, and it won't work for our lives. You've got to understand how to work it, and I, that's what I'm after. I'm after bringing you to a place where you understand how to work the works of God. That's what I'm after, because, after all, that's what this is about. It's you working the works of God. Now, in 29, 24, 29, and Rebekah had a brother, and his name was Laban. And Laban ran out unto the man into the well, and came to pass when he saw the earring and bracelets upon his sister's hands, and he was 
And when he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, saying, Thus spake the man unto me, that he came unto the man, and behold, he stood by the camels at the well. Now, he was, he was there, and he said, Come, thou blessed of the Lord, thou blessed the Lord. Why did he say blessed the Lord? Well, he saw those things. Wherefore standest thou without? For I have prepared thy house, the room for the, the camels. And the man came into the house, and he ungirded his camels, and gave straw, and provided for the camels, and water to wash his feet. And the men's feet were with him, and there was set meat before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have told, I have told my errand. And he spake on. So he spake on, and he said, I am Abraham's servant. And the Lord hath blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, and he hath given him flocks, herds, silver, gold, men servants, and maid servants, and camels, and, and asses. Now, what was he saying? He said, the 35, and the Lord hath blessed him. You know, I've often told people, you can talk about being rich when you've got a million dollars in the bank. Okay? Now, you can talk about wanting to be rich when you don't have any money. The fact of it is, people that's got money aren't going to have aren't going to have to struggle about finances. Again, nowhere in the world do we struggle over finances like we do here in America, and we struggle over it. I mean, this whole our whole economy, and you can see it every day on CNN, uh, Fox, and NBC, and anything else you're watching. That ticker down there at the bottom, and bless God, uh, and so the up goes the stocks, down goes the stocks, and everybody's hearts are going down, and then they're coming up, and then they're going down, and then they're coming up. What have we done, folks? We have trusted in riches. That's what we've done here in the United States. We are trusting in riches, and because we're trusting in riches, as I've spoken about, the visions that have come. One morning you're going to wake up and find out that that money that you've got. There in your home or at the bank, if you if you could get it out at that point, you probably can't. It wouldn't be any more good than to go out and, and light the trash that morning with. And that's what's going to happen to the money. That's the reason I keep saying, don't get caught, bless God, with trying to hoard the money at this point in time. The money needs to be used for the kingdom's sake. You need to find some way to invest your money into the kingdom. Don't try thinking that you invest your money into a man, into a situation. It's going to be your thing. Because I'm going to tell you, some are going to be mighty disappointed when they stand before the Lord God and hear God say, I blessed you with all that money. Why did you hide it under a bushel? Why did you hide it in the bank? Why didn't you invest it into the kingdom? Why didn't you put it in the hands of people that bless God that could bring forth the things that I want to get done and and provide for other people within the kingdom. I think there'll be many people beaten with many stripes before this thing's over, because this isn't a game. Again, God is trying to bless us to do what? So we can be a blessing. That's what the whole thing is. In order to be a blessing, you first got to do what? You've got to find your way to the blessings. Once you get blessed, then it's your place to do what? Be a blessing. Be a blessing, bless God. Don't, don't, don't get, you know, I've got, I've told people, Don and I gave a house away here this right before fall. We had a home. Thought about selling it. Tried to sell it on contract, and we both pray. We neither one felt real good about the whole deal, and it ended up coming back in our in our lap. And all of a sudden, somebody come along that needed a house, and Donna said to me, she said, well, we, we owe some money. And I said, we believe God to, for the money to come. We'll pay that house off and give it to him. Now, what is that? That's what I'm teaching here today. We gave a car away this year. Bless God, we had more cars than we knew what to do with. I found a family that desperately needed a car. What did I do? I gave a car, but I couldn't give that car unless I had a car to give, could I? No, I didn't have anything to give until I had, until I had been blessed, and then when I was blessed. Now, see, could I not have turned around and done something with the house and with the car? Of course we could have. And we also we thought that God was going to let us do that with that house, but it just wasn't going to work. And I'm going to tell you the minute that the minute that we was able to give that title into those people's hands, Don and I, we just it just felt like that some you know the Lord God had lifted a million pound off the top of us. We were having to try to maintain the house, and the last people we had in it lived there for a year and never paid any, and we were still paying payments on that house and didn't pay the first payment we paid for them to live there for a year. That was kind of a blessing for them too, wasn't it? Well. That might come back and bite them on the backside, you know, after, after a while, I don't know. But I'm saying you have to first receive the blessing. We had a house. 
We gave a house away. We had a car. We gave a car away. And you see, most of us work under the auspice of, bless God, that, well, okay, I've got this car. Now, let's see. Now, I can sell this car and put a couple thousand, whatever it comes to, and I will have that to do what? Put in the bank. Now, is that being a blessing? And, folks, this is what I'm trying to get to, so pay attention here. Is that going to get you blessed from God if you sell the car and you put that money back into the bank? Well, if you're going to do something with the money in the bank toward the kingdom's sake, it may pay dividends. But if you're able to get, take that car and say, okay, look, I've had my use out of this car, and there's people that bless God that need to, to have some transportation, then bless God, what do you do? You give them the car. Then, let me tell you what you're doing then. Then you're lining yourself up into God's kingdom to be blessed. See, I, I like to now there's scripture I'm going to back this up. This is one of these Thomas 1-1 things that I'll give every once in a while. But you can bank blessings, and I believe that. I believe that you can put blessings up and bless God then when there comes a time, when there comes a time that you're in need, and we all get in times when we're in need, what I do is I say, God, do you remember when I gave away that house and that car that year? Well, you know, the Lord knows. I said, well, Lord God, I'd like to draw a little out of that, the dividend of that and place it over here in a blessing over here that we're needing to, to be blessed with. And you said, well, God will let you do that? Yeah, God will let you do that. I'm not going to tell you he does it every time. But I'm just saying you've got, you've got something there to work with. You've got some equity, if you will, in, into the kingdom. That if you'll, and you need to build those things up. The more, And I'm going to tell you something. Another thing I heard a preacher say one time, he said, you can't outgive God. And I thought, now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. What kind of a statement is that? But he was right. You can't outgive God. There's no way to outgive God because what God has given everything he's had, including his only son, to us. And how are we going to outgive? Well, you can't outgive God if you live to be Methuselah's age. You're not going to outgive him, right? Psalms, uh, Psalms, the first chapter. Psalms 1. I guess that's what I should have said. Psalms 1. That sounds better, doesn't it? Psalms 1. First verse. Psalms 1.1. Now, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, or sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper." Now, there is, if you're looking for a formula, bless God, for success, there is the formula for success. He says that in the first verse, he said in what? He said that he, that, that he walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't, he's not around the wicked. See, some of you in this room need to get away from them sin people that you're, that you're associating with. They'll drag you down. My big thing was, well, I was going to get them saved. And you know something? I didn't get a one of them saved. All they did was drag me down, all right? Nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Don't do any of that. Now, two says, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. In other words, he's going to be into the things of God day and night. And he said he's like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in who? In his season. So you can't, you can't go out right now and expect, bless God, or at least you can't down in my, our neck of the woods, you can't go out right now and expect to harvest, uh, bless God, things that was in the early summer crops, like uh, yellow squash, for instance. We won't have that again till early spring, early summer, I guess I should say, not spring, where we live. So it's in its season. So everything is within its season. And, and what happens in prosperity is that we get in a place where we get real weary in our well-doing. We get to thinking that we want to. And you've heard me tell the story when I talk about the angels, the fact that the angel said to me, he said, if you would have just stayed and kept believing just for another day, we, would have got, we were so close to getting done what you had petitioned God for. And that's when the angel said, the only thing God asks you to do is believe. We do the work, meaning the angels do all the work. All God wants us to do. Can we believe? No, we get tired of believing, and we get frustrated with our believing, so we just turn our back on that miracle, and we walk away from it. It's hard telling in all of our cases how many miracles we have turned our backs on and walked away from 
because we just got weary. We just said, well, I don't think it's going to happen. This thing isn't up to whether you think or not, or I think or not. It's got everything to do with what? It's got everything to do with the Lord God thinks. So he says, his leaf also shall not wither. It's not going to, it's not going to fade. And that last part, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, you need to underline that, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Would we not all like to be in that category? Yes. Is there anybody in this room that does not, does not qualify to be in that category? No. Then why aren't we all in that category? And it's very simple, because we're not adhering under the right sections of God's Word and the timing in which God wants it adhered to. In other words, what we're, what we're doing, we're picking and choosing. One time there was this man who was in one of the churches that we'd uh, started. Every week, and I'm going to make these numbers up because I've long since forgot, but I'm going to say every week he would put a check in uh, uh, for, for, bless God, uh, uh, $39.20. And he'd hand, put in that check and he'd say, there's my tithe, preacher, right here. And so uh, one day he came to me and he said, and he said, I'm upset. And I said, well, what are you upset about, brother? And he said, well, he said, I tithe. He said, I, I religiously tithe every week that money. And I said, yeah, I know, $39.20, yeah. And he said, I don't understand. And I said, well, you need to go get my tape back there and listen to it and learn about the fact of the way that it all operates. I said, what you've got to realize, if all you're doing is giving your tithe, to receive money back, you've all received all you're going to get. I mean, it's over, folks. That's not the principle of the kingdom for that. Now, and I told him, I said, and brother, the other thing that I don't understand, why don't you just add another 80 cents onto that 20 cents and give a little offering? And he looked at me funny, and he said, well, I never thought about that. And let me tell you what I, I always know, and it's never, ever changed in all these years of ministry. The people that only tithe are the people that are so only, what can you say, frustrated? Oh, so frustrated. It's the people that are givers. It's the people that, bless God, that don't, that they don't look at the... Bless God, I'm going to tell you, when I was, I think, no, I hadn't started a ministry, I read about, I think it was John D. Rockefeller, uh, where he delivered papers when he was a boy. Now, I may, maybe it wasn't John D. Rockefeller, but it was somebody famous. I uh, don't do real good with names. But anyway... He made his mind up that he was going to give 20% every week, every week of his money. And you want to know something? I think it was Rockefeller, become one of the richer people of this world, and he still, that, up to that time, was still given 20%. Never quit giving 20% unto the Lord God. But you see what was going, if he'd only give 10%, he would only give, now listen to me, what he had to give. And this is where it gets dangerous. When you get to believing that this thing is from restraint of you, well, you have to give it, it's kind of like insurance. You can't afford to have it. You can't afford to be without it, right? The same thing goes with God and then with tithing. Bless God, you want to tithe because you want to be blessed. But if, if your heart's not right, then bless God, you might as well keep your money and go down to, uh, go down to McDonald's and, and get yourself something to eat because you'll get something for it that way. Let's go to Third John. Third John. In the second verse, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper. Oh, man. He w I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper. That word wish means he, he said, I pray that above all things that you may prosper. And be in health, now listen, even as thy soul prospereth. So there's a catch to it, isn't it? It wants us to prosper and be in health as our soul prospereth. As we're receiving the Word of God, we're inherent to the Word of God. In other words, as we're growing. It's a never, ever-ending situation. Now, it doesn't matter whether it's finance, material, physical, or spiritual. Bless God, it's prospering, that we might prosper. We might prosper. We might prosper. You want to prosper in your health? You want to prosper in the strength of your family? You want to prosper, bless God, in this, prosper in that? That's what, but as your soul prospereth. In other words, Folks, it's not a matter of you throwing a check in the plate today. That's, that's not what that's about. It's as your soul prospers. In other words, the closer you get to God by hearing unto his word, being obedient to that word, 
and through their thing. So here's what I'm always saying. Where we miss God is that this thing is time-consuming. It's called a full-time job serving God. The problem, again, with most of us, we don't go after God as a full-time whatever until we have a full-time problem. And when we have a full-time problem, then I'm going to tell you something. The phone starts ringing off the hook, and help, 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 and help, 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 right? That's what happens. But you see, if you were building yourself up into the Word of God, and see that again, that's, that's where doctrines mess people up. Because why? The doctrines that most people are under take you to a certain areas, a certain points. And the rest of it, they, well, this, you know, in other words, it's not the full counsel of God. And people get into that stuff, and they say, well, I go to the first church of the righteous, and this is the way we do it here, and this is the way we do it here. And I say, then why are you sick all the time? Why are you depressed most of the time? And why are you broke all the time? And they look at you like, I don't know. Well, it's not God's fault. God wishes, he wishes, he hopes, he trusts that we're going to understand him enough so that we can walk into these areas. Why? Because if you get into the area of prospering, people's going to see your life and they're going to say, hey, come over here and tell me, what did you do to prosper? And then you sit down with them and say, well, here's what I did. I serve God and I do this 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 and I do this. And people say, and then next week, you know, oh, no, 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 no. See, and there again, there's where the next problem is, isn't it? We don't mind doing these things if we don't have to do them very long. A few of you are shaking your head. The rest of you just look at me like a dog with a new dish, right? The fact of it is, it's right. Bless God that if it doesn't happen soon enough, well, God don't love me. He don't love me like he loves Brother Decker. I can tell you that right now. I never had a car to give away. Well, neither did Brother Decker for a long time. You know what it is? It's called keep on a keeping on. Come hell or high water, you're in this thing for the, the, the long run, and you're not in it to coast. Most Christianity is coasting. They're coasting. You know how I know? Because when I was going into churches, they get time for the prayer line, and if there was 250 people, 245 of them were down front. See if we can get a lucky set of hands laid on us tonight. This could be my lucky night, you know. It's like I said, I know through that and other means the immaturity of the body. We've never grown up enough to take the responsibility of God's Word and to live God's Word to the place where we don't have to start running for everybody else to pray for us when we need help and start panicking. And that's what happens to us. We start panicking. Well, I, well, now, Lord, I went to church four Sundays in a row. Now, how could this happen to me? I hope that sounds ridiculous, okay? Because that's how ridiculous it, it, I'm sure it gets to God in, in, in different ways that we do it. But once you begin to understand that your walk, Paul said, I haven't finished the race, I'm running the race, okay? I think that's what some of us get to thinking. It's the end of the matter when we get saved. Some of us go further and get filled with the Rahakadish, the Holy Ghost. And bless God, and now some of us are beginning to realize that this everlasting covenant that God made, uh, we should never walk away from that. And now we begin to go back and say, okay, let's see what we need to do here. But you see, that is going forward. That is consistently going forward with God and being open to, to, to be teachable. See, when you're not teachable, the game's over. There's always going to be something to learn. You know why? This book... These words aren't just words. These words are spirit and life unto who can find them, is what, the, what they say about it, okay? They're anointed. These words will become more anointed, become revelation knowledge unto whatever generation that God chooses to bring that revelation knowledge out of that book into beings that he has anointed from the foundation of this world to present to the people. Being a prophet, it's ridiculous in itself because... We've got the direction in which God's going. There's no, other, there's no other indication in the Scriptures that God will do anything different than he did out of Amos 3.7, that whatever his, so he would reveal his secret and his servants to prophets, all right? So the prophet's over here, and I'm going, boys and girls, church, this away. Let's set them out to God. Here's a sign to show you this God. This away. They're all standing there going, well, I ain't going. 
I ain't going. Bless God. It would have happened in our denomination if it was God. Who's that guy? And so it goes on. So what does it come to? It comes down to the place when you hurt long enough and hurt hard enough. Huh? Huh? When the pain of remaining the same becomes greater than the pain of change, we'll change. We'll change every time. And that's really where we're at right now at the church. The church is tired of being sick and broke and depressed. And I'm not talking about the church itself. Dear God in heaven, the church itself, the building itself, that organization itself, they're building mega, mega churches, mega churches of 10, 20,000 people. It's taking in millions of dollars a week. But what's that doing for the people? If you could go interview the people, if you could go draw them off the side after they come out of that big meeting all, find out where they're out after six months, a year, sitting under that. Listen close to me because I'm going to tell you where they're at, exactly where they were at before. The only difference is now they're in a great big multi-million dollar structure thinking that it's all worked out for them. And they're still sick, they're still depressed, and they're still broke. They don't even know it. That's the third chapter of Revelation. That's what the Lord God was saying. You're sick, you're wretched. Bless God, and that's where the church is at, and the church can't see it because we're, we're trying to get people to believe that, oh, this is it. You know, this, this is real. What you, this is it. Well, folks, if that was it, then this wouldn't have to be happening. And I know that to be a fact, all right? Now, Joshua, the book of Joshua. Well, you're talking about a set of shoes to have to fulfill. I've often thought about that, old boy. I think I took a pass. No, he was just as dumb as the rest of us. He hooked on and said, ah, you know, jump aboard here. It'll work out. God knows how to hook us. And uh, I always talk about that carrot out there. You can't ever seem to get a hold of it. It's always out there. Now, the first chapter. Now, what is neat about this is that he goes on and tells, well, let's start in the first verse. He says, Now after the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, Moses, my servant is dead now. Therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that thy, the sole of your feet shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Now there's promise number one. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even to the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto your fathers, to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand nor to the left, that thou mayest prosper wheresoever thou goest. Now understand the whole key to prosperity is what? It's don't turn from the left to the right of God's law. That's the whole key to prosperity. That's the reason I keep saying if you will get yourself into line with these things that we're teaching right now. If you'll learn to keep the festivals, keep Sabbath. So I said this morning, bless God, what's the greatest battle in the church today is Sabbath. And the reason it's such a battle is there's enough of this messianic movement thing that's trying to go around. There's enough of prophets like me that's going around saying there is a real Sabbath. It wasn't given to the Jews. It was given to mankind by God, and we are told to remember it and to keep it holy. That isn't an elective. It wasn't for the church to come along and decide that, bless God, as I've taught you, that out of the spite, bless God, of the Roman emperor, his mother decided that there would be a Sabbath for Christians. That don't count, folks. It don't count. It's got to be a prophet. She not only wasn't a prophet, she killed. The, 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 the history says thousands of Christians and Jews alike because they would not separate. And back in that day, you became a Christian, you became a Jew. That was all there was to it. Now, what happened to all that? Well, what happened to all that was it, we got blinded. 
It became a stumbling block. The law became a stumbling block to the church. And what I'm trying to do is say to you, go back and keep this thing. Do it long enough to watch it work, and you'll never leave it. You'll never leave it. You'll learn how to command the Word of God into your life and into your family's life through the name of His Holy Son, Yeshua. So he's saying that if you'll, if you'll keep the Word and not turn from the left to the right from it, he said that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. doesn't make any difference. You're going to prosper. Look at that eighth verse. He says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, number one, but thou shalt meditate therein a day and night, number two, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written, number three, you've got to do it all, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So the, the things that you need to do is, it shall not depart, the word won't depart out of your mouth, You'll meditate in it day and night, and bless God that you'll do all that is written in, within it. And that, that is a guarantee. See, that's a promise from God. That isn't one of these things, put your money in the plate, and you're going to receive. No, no, this is a promise from God. Now, what does it amount to? It doesn't amount to you putting money in. What it amounts to is that you do what? You speak it out of your mouth. You meditate it day and night, okay? You meditate it day and night. Then God observe and do all according to what it is that you meditated, what you know to do, and to know that there's more, and there will always be more, and that more will keep coming into your life and keep teaching you. Know, uh, notice you're the one, and that's one of the points I want to make sure I get across here. Notice in this eighth verse, you're the one who's going to make the way prosperous. You're going to do that, and it's important that you grab onto that. It's, it's not going to be the preacher. It's not going to be the next-door neighbor. It's going to be you. It's not going to be because you gave your money. It's going to be you because you did what? You did exactly what is said to do here. Now, the reason that won't work for the church today is because, number one, the church believes that going to the law is going back into bondage. Okay? And you've all heard that if you've been around at all. But the problem of it is it works. It still works. You know why it works? Because it's the Word of God. See, it doesn't say, it, now, if you're a Catholic, you can do it this way. You're a Baptist, you can do it this way. A Pentecostal, you can do it this way. A charismatic. No, no. It just says anybody that will apply this, it will work for you. Now, all you and I have to do is what? Get smart enough to apply it, yes. And if we'll get smart enough to apply this thing, you know something? People's going to start noticing it working. And that part I like. That part I like, and I, I like it very, very much. Let's go to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, Matthew 6, 19, 19 and down through 21. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? Remember, it says, lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth. My grandfather said this to me one time, and we were standing in front of his poultry house, a place where they grind feed and, and took in eggs and cream. And My grandfather, and they had a, a funeral going on, and the hearse went by, and he said, Tommy, he said, uh, look. I looked, and I, I said, what is it, grandfather? And he said, you notice, boy, there's no U-Haul trailers hooked on the back of that hearse. I said, yes, sir. He said, listen. He said, when you die, you don't take your riches with you. He said, you never see anybody taking them to the grave. He said, be sure that you understand what you're supposed to do when God blesses you. Hey, thank you again so much. That's Prophet Tom Deckard, Mount Carmel, Illinois. Cradle of Hope Ministries. Again, you can get more information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. Get out there, do yourself a favor, find out what's going on here, and you won't be disappointed. So, again, you can also get more. All the tape series is out there on the website for you to get a hold of. I greatly encourage you to get all that. You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com, and we'll be praying for your prayer request. Again, that's cradle at jewishprophet.com. Shalom. Until next week, remember, with God, all things are possible.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.